chapter 16 we're going to follow right along in this wonderful series that pastor rob's been uh, uh teaching to us and we come to chapter 16. i just want you to know and i hope you follow my example as someone who is a little older than most of you just do what your pastor says and you won't get in trouble so he says preach on chapter 16. yes sir he says, the title of your message is Conventional Wisdom Short Circuits God's Unconventional Plan. Yes, sir. Now, if everybody would just listen to the pastor, we'd never have any problems of any kind. So Genesis 16, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. It's the first book of the Bible. So you can turn right there and then just go over to uh, chapter 16. Now, if you're like me, there are some advertisements on television that you absolutely despise or on the radio. As soon as it comes on, you, all, you, you, you reach for the mute button. And then there are others that you kind of like and they get to you and they even persuade you. Uh, like, you know, hey, you're, you're looking good and you're feeling good. And he says, I knew you would. And we all know that advertisement. We finally capitulated and bought two my pillows. Uh, just, I, I just thought by buying the pillows, maybe that'll, that'll do it. So, and by the way, we love them. So uh, that, that's a good thing. Um, and so I think my favorite ad, though, is when the, this young, bright teenager, I mean, he's got it all nailed down every little word and he had a little accident going through the drive through window and of course it was their fault that things stuck out a little bit and i just love the expression on his mom and dad just sitting in bed just staring him down and after he goes on and on for a little while she says four weeks without the car and he says yeah okay bye and he's out of there uh, i can enjoy that other time then they're going back several years, and I think I'm going back to the 70s, one I always remember, is the one that says, he hates to wait. He hates to wait. Now, that advertisement was truer than fiction for me. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. I'm not the most patient man in the world. Here are a few of the areas that set off my patience alarm. Drivers license renewal lines with four windows and one worker. <laughs> Restaurants. I know of people, maybe some of you, who will wait an hour or an hour and 20 minutes to get a table. I'm telling you what, I go in a restaurant, I, I smell the food, I'm ready for the table. 10 minutes might be the max. I'm out of there. Just don't like to wait. Shopping mall at Christmas time. Don't even get me started on that one. Now, these are all trivial in comparison to waiting on some major areas in life. So getting a little more serious, the question is, are you waiting on something? I mean, is there something that God has put into your heart, into your, into your soul for something you're waiting for, but it's beyond your control? Let me help you out. Maybe waiting to get married, really wanting to be a wife or wanting to be a husband, and yet God hasn't brought that right person into your life yet. Or you are married. And boy, you see all these little children and babies and you just want a baby. 
I think infertility has to be one of the greatest trials a young lady can go through. Then you've got financial provision or seeing a loved one come to faith in Christ. And it's been years. You pray and you pray and you claim the verse like Pastor Rob just shared with us and you're looking for the answer. Somehow the answer just doesn't seem to come. Or a serious illness healed in yourself or by somebody else you love. A move in a ministry direction to which you might feel called. The, the question here is, are you waiting for God? Are you patiently waiting on the Lord to answer? And if you are, then you're in a good, though a very hard and difficult place. Perhaps a more appropriate question, or even more important might be, are you listening to the Lord in his small, quiet whisper by his Holy Spirit through the word in whom you're meditating as you wait upon him? I think as we grow in our spiritual lives, the one area I think we would all attest to that hopefully we are growing in is this matter of waiting on God for his timing and his leading. But let's confess the truth. It gets very wearisome. I get tired of waiting. I want the answer. And I'd like it today, Lord. But another month, another year, another few years go by, and still there doesn't seem to be an answer to our prayer. The Lord is never late, but he often delays. He's never late, but he often delays. His timing is impeccable. I've seen it, and I think many of you have over and over again, even through times of serious doubt. Now, Genesis 16 is a lesson of what happens when we stop listening to the Lord, when our impatience gets to us, he just hasn't answered on our timetable. And so we decide to move and take matters into our own hands. So let's pick it up. I'm going to read verses 1 and you uh, follow there with me in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So let's hold it there for just, for just a moment. 
There are going to be two little points that I'm just going to share with you today, and they're very, very simple. And what you can see on the screen in front of you is the first point, which is simply have faith in God's promises. And we see, first of all, there's a predicament from verse 1 that we just read. We've seen Abraham's life is interwoven with times that Abraham had to wait on God. Whenever I think of Abraham, I don't know why, but the, thing, the, the, the title that always comes to my hand is Abraham, a man of faith. And that is a true statement. And yet, even though he is a man of faith, that the Bible does not hide some of the faults and some of the mistakes and sins he committed because sometimes he moved ahead of God. In Genesis 12, Abram is 75 years old. And God then makes that great Abrahamic covenant with him. I'm going to make your name great. A great nation is going to come from you. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. A personal blessing, a national blessing, a universal blessing. Personally named great. Here we are today, 2018. And there is Abraham, the father of Islam, the father of Judaism, the father of Christianity. His name is great throughout the world. I'm going to make of you a great nation, Israel, through Isaac. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Paul says in Galatians 3, that speaks of that seed that came through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and on down to the birth of Christ and how Christ of the lineage of Abraham is a blessing to the entire world. But Abraham's 75 years old. Time goes by. And God's going to give him the, the, the land of Canaan. But Abraham has no offspring. His wife Sarai is barren. Time goes by. Months, years. And remember, Abraham's 75 when he's given the promise. His wife is 65, past childbearing age. But God says, you're going to have a son, and through him that great nation is coming. Last week, Pastor Rob showed how Abraham planned to make his servant Eleazar of Damascus his heir. But God says, no, Genesis 15, 4, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. God constantly is reconfirming his promise to Abraham. Maybe like he does to you. When somehow in your heart you sense God has given you a promise to lay hold of. And you start feigning and you start wondering, and was it a real promise? Did God mean it? Why hasn't it happened? And then the small voice of the Holy Spirit comes again. and says, just hold fast. Be faithful. Wait. Wait on me. Wait on my timing. He takes Abraham out and shows him the night sky and he says that his offspring will be as numerous as counting the stars at night. But in the tent, it's just Abraham and Sarah. No son, no heir. More time goes by. Sarah gets desperate. 
Despite what her husband thinks God has told him, she can't conceive. She gets desperate. She's done waiting. Now another 10 years have passed as we come to Genesis 16. Abraham isn't 75, he's 85. Sarah isn't 65, she's 75. And therein is the predicament. But that also leads us to a problem. Sarah said to Abram, verse 2, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children to her. So this problem involves a difficult choice. And the key to those times when we find pressed back. And we think, I've got to... And some of you who are a little more action-oriented and maybe have a little bit of an A personality, you're used to making things happen. If it's going to get done, you're going to have to do it. This warning is especially to people like you. Because we think we can get it done. We've got to do it. And that's the time we need to wait on the Lord. That's so hard. It was one of the first verses I memorized when I was a brand new Christian. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be faithful, be submissive, learn patience, trust God to do that which he has promised. So will I trust the Lord? That's the problem. That's what Hagar, uh, Sarah is facing. Will, 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 the, will I trust the Lord and see him fulfill his promise, or do I make things happen? Well, we read the story. Hagar chose the latter, so she design, devises a human plan, a human solution. Her maid servant, Hagar, could be a surrogate childbearer for her. And this even sounds plausible to her husband. 85-year-old faithful Abram. But did you notice something here, such as Pastor Rob pointed out to us four chapters earlier when there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt? Did you notice Abraham never consulted the Lord, or at least it's never recorded? in the scriptures. And once again, Abraham did not consult God on this idea. And it wasn't wise. And the solution backfires big time. Learning to walk by faith and not sight is hard. May I be the first to say I don't claim to have gotten there. I'm still learning. I'm still having to learn to wait. And dang it, it's hard. It just Darn heart. You want something and you believe God has put it in your heart and you've prayed and it seems like the Spirit of God has confirmed that in your heart, but the answer hasn't come. It was hard for Abraham and Sarah, it's hard for all of us, and God designed it that way. I think it's his process of teaching us the joy of what it means to trust and hope in him alone. Listen to the words that were given to me some 30 plus years ago when I was going through one of those very difficult times in personal life. Malthy Babcock wrote this, the test of life are to make, not to break us. 
Trouble may demolish a man's business, but build up his character. The blow at the outward man may be the greatest blessing to the inner man. If God then puts or permits anything hard in our lives, catch that. Where are you today? What difficulty, what hardship are you facing? What is God asking you to wait for, to hope for, to trust for, but to wait for patiently? If God then puts or prints anything hard in our lives, be sure that the real peril, the real trouble, is what we shall lose if we flinch or rebel. Sarah flinched. I have flinched. And every time I flinched, I regretted it. Sometimes even to this day. Because some consequences are greater than others. We move on and see that there's a process now. Verses 2b to 3. I'll read it for you. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of God. I don't think it's reading too much into the text that maybe Sarah reasoned something like this. God promised my husband a son through whom the promises would be fulfilled. But now I'm 75 years old. I am beyond childbearing age. Therefore, I got to figure this thing out that God surely means to fulfill it in another way. So she offers her maid Egyptian slave Hagar. Where'd she come from? How'd she get in the home? So he also offers Hagar to Abraham that he might have a child by her and thus help God get himself out of an embarrassing situation. Now we can fulfill the will of God. <clears throat> now this seems strange to us, and in that culture, there is nothing immoral about what was done in the eyes of the people. But God often repudiates social customs, doesn't he? As our culture moves further away from biblical authority, we can expect that we will have to answer the question, and I speak to you young people, especially. 10 years old and 14 and 18 and 23. You will have to answer the question, as all of us do, who sets the rules? Who sets the rules in your life? Well, all of culture says this, I don't give a rip what they say. How does it match up to the word of God? That's another sermon, isn't it? So because of impatience and unwillingness to wait for God in unbelief, they jump ahead of, of God's plan, which has devastating results. Now, if Sarah's actions bother us, and they do, but it really was quite an act on her part, it was really quite a loving act in some ways. Wrong. But what woman wants to give another woman to go to bed with her husband? What woman wants to have a child but have it by somebody else? So if you're a little bit shocked and Sarah's actions bother us, Abram's passive 
male leadership, compliant conduct is even more offensive. He, not Sarai, had heard the voice of God. The promise came to the man. So she says, here's Hagar, and he says, sounds good to me. Man up. We're not talking about a dictator. We're not talking about a man who is harsh. We are talking about spiritual leadership. Men, take it. Your wife longs for it. Your children want to see it in you and your wife. So Abraham takes Hagar. And we say, why do they do that? Why do we do that? Because we listen to other people instead of the Lord. We listen to the wrong voices. We're deceived by appearances rather than making choices based on the will of God. We become impatient and impose a time limit upon the Lord. We're afraid of failure or the possibility that we'll miss out on something if we don't act now. Time's running out. In reality, we never miss anything by obeying the Lord. And then we don't pray. And we don't wait upon the Lord. Perhaps we don't even deep inside really believe that God really has a plan for my life and my family. We just deep down inside wonder why would God care about little old me? We must learn to rest in God's timing if we want to be spared the unpleasant complications that come with taking matters into our own hands. See, Abraham and Sarah's difficulty were that their actions grew out of a basic philosophy, which put simply says something like this, God has told me what he is wanting to do, now the rest of it depends upon me. And that's the book of Galatians, of walking by the flesh and not by the spirit. Lastly, on this part, there are consequences to the action. So we pick it up in verse, verse 4. Genesis 16. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Sarah said, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And she saw that she had conceived and looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abraham said, behold, your servant do to her as you want. Sarah dealt harshly with her. And she, Hagar, fled from her. Look at what happens here, and you can see possibly some of the consequences even in your own life. I don't know. When you put it all together, you see verse 4, contempt and pride on the part of Hagar. She now is bearing the child, and she looks on contempt upon Sarah. Jealousy on the part of Sarah, verse 5, who now blames Abraham. The NIV says in verse 5, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Hey, whose idea was it anyway, Sarah? Where'd the idea come from? You initiated it. No, 
She says, Abraham, you're responsible. You know, if you take these few verses, we just don't have time to do it. It was one of the things I had to scratch. But if you take a few of these verses and line them up with Genesis 3, you see a perfect parallel between Adam and Eve and Abraham. It's almost identical. The way the mind works, I guess. Then you see your responsibility on the part of Abraham who puts the problem back in Sarah's lab. Great father, great husband, great spiritual leader. Telling her, do whatever you want to Hagar. What's she to us? And then there's harshness upon Hagar by Sarah. And then Hagar flees. The whole household is in an uproar now. And mark it down, each one is sure the other is to blame. It's always somebody else's fault. No one is standing up and say, I own it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was in the wrong. No one. Well, let's not end there. We'll go home depressed. That's on the and on the second point, have faith in God's providence. Because as we acknowledge God's providence, we sense the presence of the Lord. Now it turns a little bit and we see Hagar. Sarah's dealt harsh with her and so Hagar says, I, I got it. I'm out of here. The angel of the Lord, verse 7, found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore, then jumping down to verses 13 and 14. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Ber Lahai Aroi. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. Here's a beautiful picture of the love, grace, and compassion of the Lord. No one much thinks about Hagar to text like this. I posed the question about five minutes ago. How did she get in the home? Where'd she come from? What's an Egyptian slave doing in an Israeli home? I think she was part of the settlement package. Can't prove it. But I think she was part of the settlement package. Some even suggest she was a daughter of Pharaoh. So that from the time when Abraham backslid and Sarah, and you remember the deception he used, Pawning her off as his, half, as his sister. God rebuking the whole situation. Pharaoh is troubled and he says, get out of here. And he gave him all kinds of gifts. Get out of the land. You've been nothing but trouble to me. And I think one of those gifts was this beautiful Egyptian teenage girl. By the name of Hagar. Today, we'd say she was sold as a young, beautiful girl into sex slavery. Taken from her home, from her family, from her culture, to go live with a 75-year-old man, to live among nomadic tent dwellers who speak a different language, have a different culture, worship a different God she's never heard of. Can you imagine that being done to you? To your daughter? To your granddaughter? And there's no hope of returning home ever again. 
Didn't matter if she was taken from her mother, taken from her friends. Or she was terrified traveling through a desert with a 75-year-old man, living in tents. For no one saw her fear, her grief, her loneliness, her heartache, her sense of betrayal. How could my parents do this to me? They did see any of it. They didn't seem to care. Now, 10 years later, what she's good for, bearing a child. Just another way to use her. It's uh, happening all around the world. As we sit here, Kathmandu, Nepal, Thailand, Bangkok, and come on home, Boston, San Antonio, Miami. Do you know there are more slaves in the world today than in the four centuries of the horrible African slave trade? They estimate 27 million. I've heard some of the stories. Tear you up. You can't even repeat it in mixed company like this. So all of a sudden, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness that spring on the way to shore. Now we're introduced to the key person in this passage. It's not even Hagar, and it's not Abraham, and it's not Sarah. We're introduced to a person called the angel of the Lord, and in the Hebrew you will keep it exactly what I said the angel, not an angel of the Lord, not a angel of the Lord, no. Hebrew text, every time, will present him as the angel, one of a kind. Who is he? He's the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. There's no question in my mind about it. And most scholars agree with that. He appears several times in the Old Testament. Again, please mark it down. If you use a King James Version, it messes it all up. But if you use a New American Standard Version, English Standard, Internet, it's true. It will always protect that definite article, the angel of the Lord. Not just an, the angel. It's got to be the angel of the Lord. And you never see the angel of the Lord after Bethlehem. Because Jesus Christ, of course, lives in his exalted, glorified body now. Look at verses 13 and 14. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of sin. Now, does that raise any question in your mind who this angel of the Lord is? It is God. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, it is Jesus who appears in what we call a Christophany, an appearance of Christ. And this is what you have here. Hagar, glimpsing something of God's omniscience and power, names him the God who sees, for she says what? Have I also seen him who sees me? 
And while the Lord was silent to Abraham and Sarah, since they did not inquire of him, the Lord did speak to Hagar, an Egyptian bond slave sold in the traffic and market in his grace and mercy. The presence of the Lord in directing his people is necessary in order to have the Lord's blessing. I'd like to go off on a little tangent here, but I don't have time. I, I wish sometimes I was 20 or 30 again. Because I've been kind of blinded, stupid, just not knowing some of the things going in our world. And I've been in over 80 countries. I think if I were young, I'd invest myself a whole lot more in what's happening to young people around the world. And those damned cultures who have rejected God and see young teenage girls or boys simply as a piece of meat. Number two, as we acknowledge God's providence, we sense the purpose of the Lord. So we pick it up in verses 8 and 9. And he said, Hagar, that is the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her. Now here we see the Lord asking two questions. Where did you come from? Where are you going? Hagar answers the first, doesn't have a clue to the second. Then the angel gave her that difficult word revealing his purpose for her, return and submit. This is the only way to experience the grace and blessing of God. To follow his direction, even when I don't like it, and submission to his will. Had she gone on wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, no doubt she and the child within her would have died. God sometimes says to us, return to those situations that you may dislike, and I'll work it out. Leaving the spouse, quitting the job or ministry, dropping out of school may bring immediate relief and be nice for a few months, but you may miss the purpose and the will of God. Return and submit brought about the purpose of God in Hagar's life, and with that direction from the Lord would come blessing. Don't go out of here saying that I said that every person who leaves a marriage is out of the will of God. I'm surely not saying if you are living in a physical, abusive relationship that God expects you to stay there. Another message, number two, for a later time. Or they're quitting a job or dropping out of school, but too often they are the actions of the flesh, not of the spirit. And things get messed up. Because some of us have that warped thinking that the will of God is to make me happy. Happiness has nothing to do with the will of God for your life. I could care less whether you are happy or I am happy. What matters is the joy of the Lord. Happiness is based upon external circumstances. Joy is based upon your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, what? Joy. joy. The joy I gave you, no man gave it to you, no man can take it from you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Last point, as we acknowledge God's providence, we sense the provision of the Lord. Verse 15, and Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So Hagar returns to Abraham and Sarah, and under the protection of God's promise, she gave birth to Ishmael, Abraham's son. Ishmael became the father of the Arab nations through his 12 sons. Pastor Rob will deal with that in Genesis 25. But there would be the ages-long hostility between Ishmael and his yet-to-be-born half-brother 13, 14 years later by the name of Isaac and their descendants. The Arab-Israeli conflict is a sober reminder of the consequences of sin. And we're reminded that hasty decisions without consultation with the Lord are not good decisions. But God, not for one second, was taken by surprise. Dare I say, in his immutability, sermon coming later, and his eternality, and his omniscience, that he knew everything and his will incorporated all that into this. Now listen, I say that simply because of this. If you're not careful, you can see all the Arabs who came from Ishmael's loins as a mistake in the world. They're just a mistake. And they're every bit as precious in the sight of God as the children of Isaac. For God so loved the world without distinction. Think of what Hagar has learned. One, she named the place Ber Lahai Roy, verse 14, or the God who sees. She named her son Ishmael, God hears. God sees, God hears, and a world of theology is here that we need to embrace. God sees us in our distress. He sees you at this hour on this day of July 2nd, 2018, in all your pain and suffering. He sees it. He knows it. He cares deeply. When we read nothing of Abraham for the next 13 years, silence. And then when Rob opens up, Pastor Rob opens up chapter 17 next week, God tells the 99-year-old Abram, that 89-year-old Sarai will bear a son. And they laughed. And they said, no way. God said, yes way. Yes way. And Isaac is born. Why did he delay the birth of Isaac so long? I don't know. Several answers, but I think one of them is God wanted them to realize that Abraham's promised lineage would be nothing short of the miracle of Almighty God. But I think of all these years, those 13 years, they live in a tent of strife, disagreement, bitterness, jealousy, heartache, characterized that tent in the land of Canaan. In one of the ways, is one of the ways that God teaches us that his plan does not depend on us, it all depends on him. When will we learn that? 
how old do I have to get to learn it? Learning to listen to the Lord is an important lesson for all of us because without it, we won't know what he's saying. And we don't know what he's saying, we won't know what to do. But if we jump ahead of God, we'll miss the blessings he has for us. The opposite of impatience is a deepening, sweetening willingness to stand in the place that God has appointed and to move at the pace that God has appointed. And he sure moves a lot slower than I want to move at times. Trusting God is part of what it means to be satisfied. John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We used to sing an old southern gospel song. What was the title of it? Satisfied. We're really satisfied in Christ. Or are we? So read the Bible. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Pray to God. Okay to get counsel from other people. Probably wise to. Just make sure you go to the right people who you deem as spiritually discerning and wise. Be careful because there's a lot of other voices around you you don't want to listen to. Wait on the Lord, then obey. Shall we pray?